It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also watch the show on FlowTrack. Again, I'm Kevin. He's Lincoln. Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, doing pretty good. The sun's out. It seems to be a pretty nice day inside inside the house. I'm moving pretty soon, so my my backdrop will will soon change, and my uh, my location will be different. So that's some excitement to look forward to for those people who watch the video of this of this show. Mm-hmm. I know people are just dying to know what's Lincoln's background going to be today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I even those listening on on Apple Apple uh, or you know their podcast app, people are wanting to to hear about what's in the background and, and what I've seen all those zoom backgrounds that people can do, you know, you can like edit mm-hmm. yourself in the, in the Himalayan mountains or on the great wall of China or something. So I don't know. I may have to work out something like that. Where you're literally inside one of your wife's paintings. Like trying there to you go. Out. That can be an object. That can be an object <laughs> inside it. Yep. We actually have news to talk about on today's show, Lincoln. We don't need to do tracks biggest what ifs part three i know people were <laughs> calling for the trilogy yeah uh, i liked i liked it so much that that i ran it back on, on the second day i thought you and gordon did a really good job setting the table there i wanted to get even nerdier but but we have we have actual news here two bits of news that came over the wires actual wires or literal with the wire service i picked it up this morning went over to the old fax machine <laughs> came out <laughs> Yeah, actually, this one came last mm-hmm. night. Uh, World Athletics Lincoln has moved the qualification window to, geez, it doesn't start again until December 1st, 2020. What are your thoughts? Mm. Did they put it on that December 1st? So as in case the BU, what is it? The the, the first BU yeah. meet? Is that, is that the target date? Is that that's that? going to be the most popular meet in the world this year. Yeah. Everybody's going <laughs> to pile in to the BU track and tennis center. There's going to be nine heats of the 5K. It's going to be incredible. Uh, my thoughts are a little uh, scattered, I guess. I didn't see that big of a, <clears throat> excuse me, that big of an issue with this. Um, of course, one part of me wants to say, why did they even need to do this at all? But you do read the release, and it says. Well, we want to make sure everyone has equal chance to hit Olympic qualifying. We don't want certain athletes in certain countries where the virus maybe isn't as widespread and they're returning to competition to have an advantage over a country of which 
you know, they're still dealing heavily with the pandemic and they can't compete and have those advantages. So I get that. Um, but at the same time, kind of echoing what some athletes heard, like if there's track meets this season, why would those not count? I mean, if there's going to be diamond leagues, mm-hmm. like why would world athletics be hosting events of which you can't qualify for the Olympics? That is some confusing thing. And, and, and maybe it's conceding in their form or in their way that there's not going to be track in any form in, in mm-hmm. uh, at least until December. So that would mean no outdoor track, but I, I, I guess I don't understand why you have to say this and then also have the, the, the part where there actually could still be track this year. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make a ton of sense to me. Like I said, I get the first part of which you don't want athletes that are in places that haven't been hard as hard hit or have recovered enough to still to have sporting events, to have an advantage over countries that aren't in that position. But if the diamond league returns or track at a high level returns, why would, uh, why would those results not count is what I am kind of confused about. What were your thoughts about it? I think if the diamond league does return, they will change these regulations. These are not written in stone. It's a it's a living document, and I think they would change it to September 1st or August 25th or whatever the date needs to be to make sure those meets count. Uh, the way I interpreted it is is the same way you did in terms of, okay, there want, there needs to be equity here, right? And not just country to country, but within countries, right? Like we can see even in the United States, someone who lives in New York is not – um, having the same opportunities to train as someone maybe who lives in in a, a state that's at, not as impacted by the pandemic, right? Um, maybe they're still able to uh, access parks or trails, um, but that that to me stood out. I think what they want to avoid here, I think what World Athletics wants to avoid here is a nation or nations essentially going rogue and hosting track meets. Um, that can qualify and endangering the health and safety of the athletes and or the fans or other meat personnel. So they're trying to eliminate any incentive to have a, a one-off sort of track meet. I was listening to something yesterday about the, the Belarusian soccer federation. It's the only soccer league that's still going and they're basically ignoring the pandemic and they're like Mm. marching right on ahead with it. Um, and FIFA hasn't stepped in and said anything yet. Um, and the government there hasn't been very forthcoming about how many people have the coronavirus. So it's hard to get hard and fast information there. But I would guess that's what World Athletics is trying to to get in front of, yeah. a situation where a country just decides, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do meets. We're going to do meets. It's fine. Um, yeah. And then they start attracting other people to those meets from other countries. And then you have a, a situation underhands where not all forget equity is it's not like it's not safe right so there's there's two parts to this in the same way the olympic postponement to me was about two things it was about are you going to be safe at the olympics but also is it fair is there a fair system to prepare and qualify for the olympics yeah Uh, it was interesting to see some athletes be critical of it because i guess you could look at it as pr spin but like the release says, they do, the athletes do get four extra months of qualifying 
you know, a qualifying window out of this. Now, granted, there's a giant break in the middle of it and, you know, track may return, but I, I guess I don't really see too much of a downside and your thought that they could always move the, not move the goalpost, but move the, move the time. If they decide track is fully ready to go, they could always just say, okay, you know, we're, we're the December 1st date is not good anymore. We're going to make it September 1st. Mm-hmm. They seem to be pretty locked into that though. When they did say, you know, results will still count for statistical purposes, but they're not going to enhance your world ranking or, or go to time qualifications. I, I just, I don't really understand that, but I guess they really wanted to make it clear that they were serious about there being no advantage for 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 anyone yeah. that could compete. You know, there's going to be, I guess you could say, even if there's diamond leagues, while well, some athletes are going to have an easier time traveling to it than others, and some countries mm-hmm. may have travel bans and, and whatnot. But I would just say at this point, just kind of, if this is going to be their hard and fast rule, just wipe the diamond league and let's try again next year. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's almost like they press pause of like, okay, you could qualify from January until basically the beginning of April. Although in the United States, everybody stopped competing in mid-March. And we did see some people pick up standards during that time, right? There were people who got qualifying times. So that wasn't for not. And then, yeah, in December, we're just going to hit play again. And then they're going to have December, January, February, all the way through to, what is it, June? I'm guessing that's the end of the trials date there, June 29th, mm-hmm. 2021, to get the standard. Um, what is interesting, though, when you look outside of track into the marathon, this means that all those marathons that are scheduled for the fall, and right. they all have new dates, right? But none of those would count for Olympic qualifying. That obviously would not impact the Americans at all because they already got their trials out of the way and qualified it's really not going to impact i mean there's no scenario i think where kenya or ethiopia doesn't send anybody who doesn't have a qualifying standard like oh man that 212 guy he was really good but just couldn't get the standard i don't see i don't see that yeah yeah but maybe that you know person from another country a i I guess we'll call it non-marathon power country trying to get the time and now they can't do it in the fall. And they also couldn't do it in the spring because London was canceled in the spring. Boston was canceled in the spring. Uh, there really weren't many opportunities to run it. So you basically have the winter and then you have the the early spring to get that time if you didn't have it already. So that's that's tough. That's where you could see the, the composition of the field change a bit. Right. Um, I don't know ultimately if we're going to say, oh man, that the, that Olympic field changed because of, of this window tightening. Um, what do you think it's going to do for meets that are held if they do have meets, just say in August or September, not even Diamond League meets, but just domestic meets like we talked with Nikki Hiltz about last week. What do you think it's going to do to, to those meets potentially or how athletes approach those meets? It sounds like she wanted to race regardless, right? Standard or no standard. She just wanted to get Yeah, I there. think you do. Yeah, I think you're going to have a lot of athletes itching to come back regardless of standard. And I think, you know, if you're going to have a domestic meet and it's not a diamond league, the chances, say, of a 1,500-meter runner, like on the men's side running 335 or, 
you know, a 10,000 mm-hmm. running 27, whatever, 24, whatever it is, is, is going to be pretty low. But that said, if you did do something like that in that window, I mean, I don't think you're going to see athletes trying to rip a fast 10 K if, uh, if standards aren't going to count. So I, I don't know what tr- it'll definitely take away some of the, the excitement of it, but I don't, I think that's a, that's a far-fetched scenario anyways. I don't think we're going to have track in any form in, in 2020. I'm not a medical expert. I just, you know, I'm texting buddies with Anthony Fauci, but just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I think that's a, I think this is all going to end up being kind of a moot point because I, I don't see track in any form here in the States um, or, or abroad happening in, in, 2020 and add in the fact that even if it did, I don't know, that in the fact that it really is only for prize money and, and, and not, not much else, I guess, bragging rights. And that's even more so. I, I, I just don't, I don't see it happening. There's so many factors right now. We're working against it, chief among them safety. And I, I don't know, we're not any, doesn't feel like we're any closer here in the United States to having track than we were last week. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, they, they are, I don't want to get too much into the, to the medical side of things, but there was some scaling down of the estimates and things like New York. They, they saw a little bit of flattening. You are the baseball expert, though, on this podcast. Explain what's been going on in baseball the last, the last two days because there was an idea that was floated, and then I think they were walking it back as of this morning in terms of when baseball would come back. And I think that's going to be very instructive to what happens to, to other sports like track and field. Yeah, pretty pretty interesting and and pretty uh, extreme measures to try to get sports back. They're basically thinking of starting the season not in, in not a determined date yet, but May was floated, and having the entire league play games in the Phoenix area and basically be quarantined before and after games and have certain restrictions about where athletes sit. I don't really know what the media set, you know outline is or if they figured out logistics for how they're going to stream or televise the games, but basically the entire, all 30 teams or whatever it is, would play in the Phoenix area, even not just in the Diamondback Stadium, but in other locations as well. And then they would be cut off basically from the rest of society. And, you know, I think this would Mm -hmm. be dependent on rapid testing. But, you know, you're talking about athletes, like they wouldn't, I don't think they'd be able to have their families with them. And you're just spending basically all this time isolated. So it'd be like this weird for lack of a better term, it's like being in prison and playing a professional sport, but baseball so desperate to get back in some form. And obviously they would have interest from streaming partners and, and fans. And um, it's just more of, is it going to be logistically pos- possible? Track is way too big of a global sport to even consider something like that, obviously. And, you know, not to mention like, you know, baseball is a sport you need to train, but you know, you get in the cage a little bit, you lift some weights and uh and 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 throw the ball around you're ready to go they but you know tracks quite a bit different than that obviously so it's not a situation that you could take copy and paste from track to track but it's very interesting to think the thinking of them of major league baseball thinking we're going to put this in one city we're going to tightly control this no fans you know there's going to be social distancing measures among players we're going to have them sit in the stands uh very really extreme yeah that's what i read they wanted them to like to, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I read that right, that they, uh, you you know, one, not, not having them in the dugout, but have them like in the, in the top, not top row, but the first row of the stands and separated, separate each other out. So it's a, 
you know, trying to respect all social distancing, stuff like that, which I, I don't really understand how you do when you have runners on base next to the fielders, but <laughs> just, I mean, at that but point, you're creative out there. Yeah. I mean, but at that point, you're yeah. really changing the you're changing the complete dynamic of the sport. You're not just removing how the sport is consumed. You're like actually yeah. saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, a third base coach. How about you be the ninth row of the stands coach yeah. instead? Can you back up a little bit?" Mm-hmm. Um, so have they have they backed off of that? I thought I saw. Well, a, they got a lot of criticism. Like- yeah, they got a lot of criticism for it, and I think they were. Clarity was needed where there wasn't clarity. It's just a proposal. And yeah. as people were write, writing on top of the report, it, you know, a lot of hurdles to clear, you know, them getting these rapid tests and not taking them from people who might need them more than Major League Baseball players, not endangering, mm-hmm. it, you know, workers who aren't not further endangering the community. You know, you're asking people to be sequestered for months on a time and that could be you know, really, really difficult. I mean, the least of the concerns is like the mental health of these baseball players. But I mean, you're asking them to, you know, a lot of these young athletes to separate from families. That's obviously difficult. It's, but it could just, you know, it, things are so crazy right now and their money is so desperate to be, to start churning again in the sports world that you wonder if it's possible and it could set the model for what other sports do. Yeah, I got a lot of criticism. People were kind of taking it as like it was a completely uh, sussed out plan that was ready to go in in a few weeks. I mean, that's not the case. It could be two months away or it could never happen. We don't know. But Well, they said you know, May though, didn't they say May? Wasn't They, May they said May. That's, you know, they didn't specify if it was May. May well, yeah, they didn't specify it was May 1st or, you know, it could have been, it could be the end of May. So it could be, you know, closer mm-hmm. to two months away. But, but it's... It's, um, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we, we know we work for a live media, live, live sports company. People, they, they're going to get support from, from, uh, people who stream sports. They're going to get support from a lot of people. And if they find a way to safely test without taking tests out of a more, uh, susceptible community, I think it's something to consider, but there's just yeah. a lot they're going to have to figure out before that's even remotely possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm just thinking if that's if that timeline. So say it is May 31st or even June something. Yeah. I, I would think then. I mean, by August, would it be realistic to? I mean, you just never know, and especially because you hear people talk about it, it's like it could come in waves. So then you could have a situation right. where you have a you have a tra- and you you got tracks different. You're not going to be able to. You don't have a season in the same way. You're not going to be able to sequester the athletes in that same in that same fashion. Right. I think it just becomes becomes a situation where it's like a cost benefit analysis for track. Like, is this even, yes, we want to have something. Um, but man, is it really, is it really, is it really, really worth it? I know USATF was talking about doing, you know, a, a U.S. championship this year, like late in the late, late, late in the summer, perhaps even in the early fall, Depending on how you define fall. I mean, September technically is still summer, right? That's always, always been confusing to me. It's like September 15th, first day of fall. It's like, no, I think feel like sept- they should make it like even month breaks, I feel like, with the seasons. I know that doesn't line up with all the astronomers out there and how they forecast things, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I like it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, like USA's could US- – so, so if they're talking about having a U.S. meet, even if there's not world championship standards – on the line or world rankings on the line 
I mean, that's another thing that they're going to have to figure out. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't see that one happening, but I just don't see the the athlete interest there. What do you, you're not risk, you're, you know, I, I guess the world could be totally different. And I think that's the, the situation with baseball is so many people are taking the world as it is right now and saying, <clears throat> well, this isn't possible. Major League Baseball or whatever saying, well, it could look different in six weeks. And that, you know, it tracked that and like right. we would, the U.S. championships could, you know, take place safely, then maybe there would be some some interest. But it's hard to it's hard to visualize right now. It's hard to to see that and and in a time of severe crisis, even consider that. And I don't even know the if that's part necessary, is, you know. Well, the tough part is this stuff takes planning and yeah. especially track, like all the people that are involved in staging a track meet. So you can't just say, hey, we're going to have meet XYZ next weekend and then go, yeah. right? You're going to have to put several months and in some cases like big meets like Olympic trials or world championship years into planning. So, I mean, imagine the situation where you say, okay, you know, things look good to go back in whatever month. You start planning this meet, you're getting volunteers, people are buying plane tickets again, everything's happening. And then the situation devolves and then you're calling off the meet again and i think right. that's the that's the nightmare scenario in the same way people have talked about this within the context of the nba right you bring all the players back and then what happens if there's another positive test the right. first week back then what do you do okay then you scrap it again and everything that you did there before was was from not i think that's what i think isn't that sort of what you're implying when you're saying there's not going to be track this year is that that sort of underlying feeling of hey we could bring this back, but you're always going to be wondering if it's too soon. Yeah. And, you know, you listen to a lot of experts and they're saying that this is going to, like you mentioned earlier, it's going to come in waves. So who's to say that, right, like exactly what you said, <clears throat> that something severe isn't going to happen right around a time when you, you plan this and it could elevate and we're going to be the, the weird, the thought of us, you know, immersing ourselves back in society and then being asked to social distance again is uh, is weird when it comes to sports, because how do you time around that? You know, you can't really time anything yeah. perfectly because we don't know how this virus is, is going to go. And that's what makes it strange to time this. It's like, oh, I hope by September it's going to be we're in the phase of which we're allowed to be back in society. And then it seems like we're just waiting for an outbreak to happen again. Uh, it's a weird – I know sports need to run, athletes need to make money, and all the, the, the economies of each individual sport need to be restarted again, lest there be dire consequences for a lot of people involved. But – it, we're still at the stage right now that that that, that sports don't matter in in the sense of safety does, and so mm. putting things and trying to find windows of which could could fit while also risking the health. And you know, if you have one coronavirus ca coronavirus case, you got to shut the whole thing down. I mean, the press. I mean, obviously, and the precedent's been set with what the NBA did, and that's the huge risk with all these things. Not to mention the fact that non-athletes have to be involved and around when there's things like this and mm -hmm. maybe non-athletes are older and, and, and more susceptible. And so it's not just young, healthy athletes that are going to be putting themselves at risk. There's so much, so many other factors. And that's what was mentioned in the criticism of the baseball thing and would be mentioned in the criticism of track, tried to do something like this. And that's why I think you just waited out till 2021. You have no controversy and uh, you hope that we've even, 
I don't know if we'll have fully, you know, rid ourselves of this virus by then. I think a lot of people are saying this could be start to be a seasonal thing and mm-hmm. be more and more present. Maybe we have a, a, a vaccine by then. I don't want to turn this into a medical podcast because I really don't know what I'm talking about. But my okay. long-winded Let's point is about- tracking track any form just seems seems yeah. uh, whatever the very unself-aware, you know, it doesn't, there's no, it doesn't need to happen maybe to the level of baseball. Baseball is just such a, a uh, so many people depend on that for, for income and it's such a rich sport relative to track and field. I don't know. It's just a totally different ball game. I think, Ooh, good pun there, by the way. I, I mean, I, yeah. I think in you think, I think, I mean, we both hope we're wrong, you know, from a safety perspective, obviously, but it would be, it'd be incredible if by August or September, all the medical experts agree and it's possible to have sports and live our lives. Like that would be, that would be amazing. That would be incredible. I think we would all, we would all wish for that, but I could maybe yeah. see a situation where like late in the summer athletes are at least able to maybe do like little one-off pop-up meets again, things that don't require a lot of people, things that don't require advanced planning or travel, but this group wants to get together and do some sort of, time trial or these clubs that are in close okay. proximity to one another could potentially do it because the, I don't know, they've developed a test or something or that, that uh, specific area has been cleared to, to compete and they've been able to relax some of these restrictions. Let's talk about 2022 though, right? Because there's not enough uncertainty in 2020 or 2021. So let's fast forward to 2022. Yeah, we've got 2021. Uh, we got to figure it out. Some people, we got to figure it out. We got to, it's all mapped, you know? Yeah, go to 2022. What do we got? We have World Athletics Championship dates. It's going to be in Eugene, Oregon, but it is officially moved to 2022. July 15th to the 24th, so it does not conflict with the Commonwealth Games. I know your favorite games that honors the Queen, and it it does not conflict with the European Championships. Here's a quote from Sebastian Coe. This will be a bonanza for athletics fans around the world. The fans will be treated to six weeks of absolutely first-class athletics. Oh, that's the only class of athletics I like is first class. You try to give me second-class athletics, get that out of here. Uh, it's early. I mean, that's obviously the first observation. Mm-hmm. That's really early in the year. So will we have – you know, I, I don't know. Well, will we have U.S. championships in, in late May or, you know, maybe, I guess, early no. June? And, I mean, like, well, it's, so I mean, NCAAs, yeah. NCAAs is June 8th through 11th that year. So I would guess the you next You got to have it the week after be, then. Yeah, you got to have it the week after, yeah. right? Yeah, you would. Yeah. Wait, and then you'd have. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask, is USA scheduled yet or no? No, no, no. It's not okay. scheduled. Okay. So, but if, if you put it a week after, if you put USA's a week after, I mean, that's what they were going to do this year for the Olympic trials. And I think that's what they're going to end up doing next year for the Olympic trials, right? It's still going to be that same quick turnaround. So you'd, pr- so you'd probably have um, NCAAs end on a Saturday. So that'd be the 11th, right? Sunday would be the 12th, Monday the 13th, Tuesday the 14th, Wednesday the 15th, maybe Thursday the 16th. So it goes the 16th through the 26th, no, 25th. Okay. 16th through the 25th, uh, and then you have the tw- 25th to July 15th. So it's a quick turnaround. But look, they don't have to travel. 
American athletes don't have to travel. That's true. Um, That's a good point. So it works. And I don't know if that was part of the calculus here. I'm sure they consulted them, but it's just basically three weeks after. I like that more. Like, to be honest, I don't like the whole, and now there's six weeks until Worlds. Like, I yeah. like it when it builds in, builds into it. Maybe there's one meet in the interim or something just to keep people sharp. But I, I think, I mean, if that's the qualifying meet, like, you don't have – you don't have your uh, state qualifier and then four weeks off and then state in high school. That doesn't happen. That's true. You have the meet before, you know, it's, there's no, it's not NXN regionals, eight weeks of darkness and then NXN, like the one thing leads to the next thing. Uh, so I like it. And I'm, I'm glad that they preserve the integrity of the multi-sport European championships as somebody who's a fan of all the European championships. Again, handball. I mean, so much, so much first class, first class athletics, uh, first class handball. That's my uh, handball for, they've, had, they've had to, yeah, they've they've had to settle for second class water polo, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they uh, threw some dust in the as your you and your podcast uh, have dubbed it the Bowerman Towerman. They threw dust in, and the dates were flashed across the top of New Hayward Field to decide when the when the new dates would be for the 2022 Eugene. World Championships. That's how they went with this. That I don't know where I got that. That's just where I decided to to go with that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We we've become dates reporters or dates. Like, ooh, here's the big news of the day: dates. <laughs> <laughs> Two years and in, in, in okay, sure I mean, cover right. dates. Yeah, dates. Circle yeah. your calendar in just July twenty fourth. Yeah. They work Commonwealth and Euros, and that was the only that was the only sticking point. It's like okay, build the Diamond Leagues around that, and then you're good to go. It just I I, I thought it was funny when they're talking about 2021 Olympics. So like, oh, they're gonna have to all they're gonna have to work with all these federations to make sure they don't overlap. It's like no, they're the Olympics. They're gonna be like here's when I'm getting Olympics figured out. Bye. Yeah, yeah. Was, they, they spoke about all the hurdles they had to go over, and then it was like three days later. All right, here's the dates. <laughs> 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 yeah it's like a parent i gotta consult with all these people here yeah yeah it's just like no we'll nope. decide we're good no yeah, thanks right. you right. can move around a couple games yeah so all right have the so wait what dates are we missing then since we're date correspondents we don't have the do we have the trials dates for next year i mean i know we have the olympic dates missed, now the world championship dates we don't that, have usas yeah. for 2022 I mean, you need to be covering this. This needs to be at top of mind for you right now, Lincoln. Is when these dates are. Calendar for full track. Yeah, I don't think. One thing. So one thing. One thing that's going to be interesting, though, is, I mean, we we knew that this was not going to be the case, but remember last October where we were. Well, early our October would have been Doha. I mean, even into like October third or fourth or something, we're in Doha. Uh, I mean, we're a long way from that both with the Olympics and with these world championships, they're either going to be, they're going to be done. Well, the Olympics are going to be what first week of August will be done. And then these world championships will be done in, in, uh, in July. So we can at least say that, that the, the era of September, the pinnacle of the meet being pinnacle of the season being in, in September, at least for 21 and 22 is, is not the case. 
Yeah, uh, except for the 2029 World Championships just got awarded to the to the equator. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, no, that's nice. Guys. It's nice to yeah, it's nice to have that era of of Halloween track and field. Hopefully, in the past, I like I like my peak track and field in the summer. One thing I liked about it though was having the Diamond League conclude before Worlds, which now. Yeah, now that's now that's gone. We're gonna go back to Zurich and Brussels being way late in the year and a cherry on top of the Sunday. I mean, I, I think they'll move other meets forward. Like you'll see, I think we'll see that April Doha inaugural Diamond League set up again too. Like everything will get bumped up um, a little bit, but you're still gonna have at least at least three, probably maybe in some of these years, and upwards of five Diamond Leagues after the the big show. So as far as this, this season, what is it? The next one to, to either go or I guess could stay is the Prefontaine classic. Like that one has not been Mm -hmm. postponed yet. I mean, what, when is that announcement? We also, we also cover postponements as well. So postponements and dates are the two things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm, surprised with every passing day that they haven't i don't know what the i i just yes i don't know i mean is hayward done i i don't know like have they been working on it in this in this like can they we were just talking talking off air that you know construction has been going on around austin you know things are forging ahead maybe if they shouldn't be but i don't know what the status is of hayward field are yeah. they still working on it that's there's a lot of people involved that need to be close to each other that would seem dangerous yeah i i mean i'm, I'm guessing they are i don't know if they're going at the same at, at the same rate i mean maybe they're try, maybe they're trying to salvage some sort of like truncated uh pre classic but i mean that's what that that's early june right isn't that what it was yeah we're we're inside two months yeah yeah um, I would, yeah, I would guess that, that we're going to hear about that soon, but you're right. Have, don't you have your cancellation doc right next to your date doc on your Google drive? There? I, you know, I allow race results weekly, David Monty to cover that. He's been going through and building Excel sheets, I think, uh, discerning, which means he's been, canceled. Yeah. He's only, he's only up to May up, up through May. So June is his next victim there, <laughs> which he's going to, but, uh, he's yeah, been I'm doing really a good surprised. job. Shout out to David. Shout out to David, David he's been covering this thing. Yeah, yeah. You're, so, you're surprised about what? That the pre classic is still on. I mean, there's just so many things. I mean, there's going to be plenty of track in the next couple of years at Hayward Field. We don't need to open it up with those sports worlds. You know, I don't want want it to be the. Let's not have track be the first event back. Can you imagine in the Can U.S. <laughs> It's like baseball and golf are still waiting and they're like, they just forgot to cancel the pre-classic yeah. and people just show yeah. up. It's like Renault Lavillenay's like on, on the pole vault. Just let's go. I, guys. I can't, let's I go. can't. There's just too many nightmares. This is, is we're going to have the, the, uh, the international, not the Bowerman mile, but whatever the international mile is. And we brought in people from every country, and we even have a high schooler in this one. Check this out. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, we've got young people and people from all. It's just, I, it's, it yeah. maybe wouldn't be a good look. I just don't know how the pre classic survives this year, but yeah. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll perhaps, see. perhaps more news <clears throat> tomorrow when you and Gordon are doing the pod. Uh, we got some mm-hmm. emails I wanted to read 
here. Yes, good. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We got one here from Niall yesterday. He sent it before we recorded the pod because we answered this question. Uh, he's talking about the what ifs. He says, what would the NCAA be like the past few years and now if there was a season, if athletes like Brazier, Drew Hunter, Lyle, Sidney, McLaughlin, Norman, Rye Benjamin never left, especially Drew Hunter, where would he be right now at training with Oregon versus with the pros? He would also have way less experience in college thoughts. So we talked about Hunter and Lyle specifically yesterday, but how about how about those other names, Lincoln? Brazier, Sydney, Norman, Benjamin. Yeah, a couple things. Well, let's get this right off the bat. Gordon's Drew Hunter takes were 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 poor yesterday. I, I was on my run and trying to avoid stopping and throwing my phone about how saying he would just be another Oregon guy. I'm like, where have you been the last couple of years? I don't <laughs> I know Drew Hunter hasn't like broken any world records or anything, but he'd be like Do you agree with me? You agree with me on that one. I don't know what he would he'd just be another or like what? This we're talking about a guy who ran like three fifty seven in high school, like and well, people run four oh three. Yeah, there's a difference between four oh three and three fifty anyways, yeah, I was not there I like for those it. Takes. I like it. You uh, should have called in. Yeah. Um, Lincoln from Springfield, you're on. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh yeah, where would I I mean uh, well uh you know, Sydney would have lowered her collegiate record. I mean, the, just the records would be faster. I don't know that obviously the NCAA would be much more intriguing. I mean, we would have thrilling four by fours with, like you guys mentioned, like, you know, if Grant Holloway and, and Rye Benjamin and Michael Norman was still there, you know, we'd have great matchups between Florida and, and, uh, and USC in the four by four. Uh, Sydney would probably be running every distance by now from 100 up to 400 hurdles. Like, I mean, it would just be a dream obviously, but that's the problem. Those athletes want to get paid for their services and that they're totally likely to do so, or they're totally uh, deserve to do so. And that makes sense. The, the NCAA would be insane though. And it, you know, maybe it would, I don't want to say hurt the development of some other athletes, but it's good that some athletes, that would otherwise not get the chance if those athletes didn't immediately go pro to uh, to shine. Now they have that chance to shine. So I don't know how it would tangibly affect. I don't really. I'm not really interested in team races. Like I don't really care about that because people forget who wins the team titles roughly ten minutes after. But records would be faster, and uh, and I, I guess I the entertainment level of relays would be faster. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just say I remember who wins the team race uh do you brazier's interesting yeah. brazier's interesting but brazier's gotten to the point where in his career now where you could you can make an argument for either path and it and it doesn't really matter it's like he is the 2019 yeah. world champion and he's the best 800 meter runner in the world so you can't yeah. argue with how he he went about it there were some hiccups in the early part of his pro career specifically when it came to championship racing but that could have happened as well like he could have just blown everybody out for a couple of years in college and then had rough patches when he became a college or a, a, a pro runner at that point and was running in diamond leagues. But it's tough to look at a guy and be like, yep, you did it wrong. You're only the world champion and clearly the best yeah. in the world. Sorry, man. Like, well, what all these you? athletes that, all these athletes that were mentioned have basically packed in a four-year collegiate career in one or two years, you know? I mean, all, all, all those athletes I think we mentioned were collegiate record holders and, you know, what else yeah. did Brazier have to do? He ran freaking 143 as a, as a college freshman. I mean, go pro. And same with Sydney. Yeah. And, you know, right, Benjamin, I know it was a couple years more than a, than a freshman, but, you know, 
they didn't have any, anything else, obviously, to do. I don't know how it changes other than we just get to see a lot of athletes really running fast. Maybe Brazier gets bored and tries the, the 1500 as well. Uh, I don't know. Well, that's the one thing. You would have seen other events. Sydney's 400 PR would be faster, I think, because she would have mm-hmm. run. Yeah. She would have run some, yeah. some 400s this year. But, I mean, you look at the race count. The total, And this – well, this year doesn't really matter because the season got canceled. But remember, Grant Hawley competed 45 times or something last year. And then yeah. this year, one, one, literally one, mm-hmm. I think, right? He ran one hurdle race or one meet. I guess he ran two well, races. He ran, and that's- yeah, I think two or three because he ran like prelims and something else. But hey, yeah. last year you were just like we were talking about covering dates. You were the authority on how many races Grant Holloway had on his legs. Mm-hmm. If you remember in the press conference, somebody asked a question of sorts and he was like, I don't know. How many races have I done? Anyone know? And you were like, 46 or something. <laughs> I bet that I bet it was that day, moment was all good for you. Yeah, <laughs> it was day nine in Doha, uh, yeah. and like you know, you make some weird decisions uh, yeah, by day nine in true. Doha, day eight in Doha. Yeah, uh, I, made, I was on I asked Tila. Mondo. Yeah, I asked Mondo to plant us a question without recording it or having any plans to do anything with this quote. <laughs> that was a good moment. You were just sitting. <laughs> you're just like, hey, hey got a question here. <laughs> I, I'd like to know a few things. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you got to the point in the podcast, uh, at the end when I was reminiscing on Doha with Gordon and mm-hmm. how much I missed it yeah. and how much I was going through all those old interviews to pull out all the Grant Holloway stuff. Cause it's Grant Holloway day on our site. And, uh, I was like, man, we thought this was abnormal. Like we're staying up till four in the morning. And it's like, <laughs> the global pandemic was like, hold my beer. Yeah. Like we're, no, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to get wet. Like that seems like the most normal thing I've done. Um, is yeah. travel halfway around the world into a desert and interview track athletes. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Here's one from here's one from Austin. Ultimate what if scenario? What if you were to take all U.S. marathoners in history in their prime, put them in Alpha Fly? Who takes the top three? Naturally, it will vary by course, but who takes top three for the men and for the women at Boston versus Berlin? Okay, what's the last part? Who takes top three in Boston versus Berlin? Wait, what? Berlin. He's just saying hilly course versus flat course. Um, all time, though. I mean, all time. I mean, I think now Khalid Kanucci, um switched allegiance from Morocco to the United States midway through his career. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. He ran. He had 204, 205. Well, well before. Yeah. And what's, yeah, dead shoe era. Um, so yeah. I think he would be there. <laughs> I think Ryan, Ryan Hall, man, give uh, me some Ryan Hall. Yeah, on either course, I think would would yeah. roll, and I think you got to go Rupp on either course. Mm-hmm. I think those three would be the same. I think those three would be the same for. Well, I don't. I'm not going to bet against Meb in uh, in Boston. So take out Kanuchi and throw in Meb for me for that top three. I'll go Rupp, Meb, and and Hall for the men. Yeah, for the women, just Rosie Ruiz every time. <laughs> uh, I mean, do, do you go like Joni? Do you go Joni, Dina, Castor, and Shalane? I mean, you got to put Lyndon in in Boston too. I, I I would put Lyndon in in Boston. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, yeah, you always want to put the, the the greats who, as you said, ran in the the dead shoe era. Uh, that's that's not mine. That's one of the House of Run listeners. I don't remember who it was, but shout I like out to that. Them for, no, I mean it's like the dead ball show. era in baseball. Um, that's 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 great. That's a that's a nice pickup. I like that. Um, 
those all those all make sense. I'm trying to think of one that's like more off the wall. I don't know if Meb would have been a super responder. He's a heel striker, so uh, yeah. But he would, his knows? heel would have hit. And he'd have boing, boing. Yeah, he. Boing. I mean, he couldn't have even worn him. They would have been so advantageous for him. They just would have shot him <laughs> through. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I still pick the same guys and the same women. I I, I don't know too much. You want to pick the people who won medals and and were dominating their their eras. So, uh, yeah, Joni, Ryan Hall would make sense. I mean, if Ryan Hall can run two hundred four in in a six. I think he can run two hundred three in in Superman shoes. So that's that's where I would I would like to go. I still think the greats that we recognize would would still be the greats, and that's also largely because. I don't put as much weight on the shoes as, as some other people. I, I they would run faster, of course, but okay, everyone's running faster right now. So, you know who was good before the shoes came out? Eliud Kipchoge. He was still good. Yeah, yeah. I've Here's heard Ryan. that he won a marathon without without insoles. Yeah, he won some other ones before that too. Here's Ryan. My most mm-hmm. what if question is: What if Centro? It did not go to the front and force a 214 first 800 in Rio. If Kiprop went to the front and took it out in 153 and pace held, what are the results of the 1500? This is right in your wheelhouse, Lincoln, because it has to do with Centro, which you like talking about, and 1500 meter tactics, which you like talking about. Yeah, well, in Doha, when you asked about it, even three years on, you know, you're going to ask the Olympic champion about their Olympic victory, I guess, in a post-race interview, regardless of how long ago it's been. But he is of the opinion he would have won that year. Of course he is, but that he would have won that year regardless of the circumstances. Uh, however, if it would have been a fast race and Kiprop had taken it out, I'm of the opinion that McLuffy would have gone back-to-back because I think he would have picked off Kiprop at the end. Maybe Kiprop would have won, but he was also... Was he injured in that 2016 final? I mean, there was something not right with him. Who knows what's going on with Kiprop? Yeah, um, yeah I think McLuffy would be have won back-to-back titles. That's that's what I'm. That's what my thinking would have been because fast races, he kind of sits back and kicks well. I mean, 153 though is super well, yeah, fast. Like if they went if they went that quick, I think you could have seen a lot of carnage, and maybe Centro does climb back. I think. The least advantageous to Centro would be fast but doable for like the field, yeah, like a like, one fifty eight, one fifty seven sort of setup mm-hmm. where they and then they have a, and yeah. then they have a big third lap. I think would have been tough, but man, credit to him, he played that perfectly. One thing that we learned about McLuffy in twenty nineteen was he's still good, so he could have yes. won in twenty sixteen just based on how good he was in twenty nineteen, yeah. despite nobody knowing where he was and him saying nobody was more excited. <laughs> Right. Nobody was more excited about the postponement because he likes to disappear for two years at a time anyways. So McLuffy was like, great, this fits in perfectly with my training. (laughs) Nobody was going to find me for 2020 anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, This is from Douglas. I'm sure y'all are just as bored as I am. I was just thinking which 4x4 would win in 2019, 2020. What do y'all think? So hypothetical one, Team USA 400-meter hurdlers, Spencer, Muhammad, McLaughlin, Little, or Corey Carter, if healthy. Team two, Jonathan, Francis, Wimbley, and then Ellis or Felix. I mean, I'd have to look at that 400, 400 PRs, 400 4x4 splits. 
Nope, you can't have, you know, Spencer, you don't have time what, for it. Go. Done. Go. I, 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 I'm going to stick with the 400 crew over the I, – I do think on, over the long run, over, over you know, three minutes and 20 seconds, whatever it is, I, I still think the 400 – pure 400 athletes are going to show out. Now, I know – you know, that Sydney has pure 400 speed and Muhammad does as well. But, um, and Spencer, I think is a converted 400 meter runner, but I, I still would. Yep. I, I mean, Wembley is good. Ellis is fantastic. If Felix is running well, that, that's a really good group. Yeah. I still, I take the other team though. I take the hurdlers. I mean, both of these teams had two members on the, the four by four and then yeah. you're, but Spencer, especially if, she had time to just train and focus on it, but Spencer's a legit 400 meter runner. Um, and then I don't think there's too much drop off uh, to little there. If you put little in there, um, I think, I mean, could Sydney be as good as Jonathan's? Oh, could she? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I think Jonathan's so. hasn't shown our bit, her full ability yet. You know, she could be a sub 49 runner. In 2021, we we don't really know. I mean, she's coming off college, a long college season, ran 49.6 in Doha, and I don't think we've seen the full scope of her. I like her attitude, the way she composes herself. I think she's uh, she is vastly underrated. One of the most underrated performances by an American in Doha was that fourth race, fourth place finish. Um, mm-hmm. She's she's game. She can she can deal with Sydney on the backstretch. You know, well, I'd, I'd like to see those two duke it out. All right, we got one more here from John in Teddington, England. He's got some a couple here for the from for the older listeners out there. What if Obi Moore had gone to Baylor, and what if Skeets Nehemiah had not gone to football in 1981? Now, Lincoln, as we know from the show, is not old, so he will not be qualified to answer either of those questions. <laughs> but he does love him some Kipchoge. So John also asked, "What if Kipchoge had stayed racing the five and the ten until after 2016?" Consider that A, before the 2010s, when money disappeared from the European track circuit and flooded into the road racing scene, all of the great 5,000 track runners uh, tried to compete over 10,000 before moving to the roads. And B, given that he is so good at the marathon, we can assume that had he trained for it, Kipchoge would have been better at 10 than 5. He ran 26.49, age 22, so he probably could have gone sub 26.40. I think in this parallel universe, he would have run the 10,000 from 2013 to 2016. In 2013, he'd have been outkicked by Farah and Jalan. In 2015, he'd have worked with Cam Ward to run the legs off of Farah and won gold. In 2016, they'd have tried to do it again, but with Cam Ward in less good shape, Farah would have hung on and won. What do you think? I look at it from from the marathon industry. I think it would be an entirely different thing. You'd obviously have a lot of people not running as fast. Who knows if even the Alpha Fly Vapor Fly line of shoes would have been a thing? You know, I think they were. Some of these shoes were built to help the greatest marathoner in the world and to be marketed around one specific athlete. So if he's still on the track that late, maybe that entire industry looks looks different. And obviously, we wouldn't have a sub two at this point. Uh, I mean, maybe we would, but he's, he's focusing on the track. He's not doing perhaps as much mileage, and so that uh, that lessens lessens that. And you know, he's not ready to run one fifty nine forty. So the marathon looks obviously different. The record, the world record, is slower. Bekele probably isn't pushed to run two hundred one forty one. The women's record. I mean, he's really influenced the entire marathon scene, and I think a lot of the records, not obviously just himself, are are credit to him and. and you could argue that the shoes are, again, are are so advanced because they were helping to chase some time that was thought to be ridiculous without him. 
So that looks entirely different. I don't really care about litigating who wins what medals. I just like to always assume Farah would have won because that's the era I grew up on. I grew up on Farah. We saying Farah could athlete A could have run the kick out of Mo Farah, and that of course never happened, even with Kipchoge. Uh, so I just always assume Farah is going to win unless Mukhtar Idris likes to show in show up uh, <laughs> maybe that that changes that but i, I th- this like i said the litiga- the litigation of how to beat farah and this athlete could have done that uh, i'm not really interested in because it just never really happened other than one time or i guess two times in 2011 and and, and 2017 but my biggest takeaway would have been that the marathon industry looks different sorry go ahead well i just was thinking he could have i mean is there a reason he couldn't have been jalan in 2011 and beaten farah then Right, like, was he? Wait, when did I, he start? Remind me what was what what uh, Kipchoge, Pull Kipchoge was, up. He was, yeah, pull him yeah. up on for twenty eleven. I can't do it otherwise. My yeah. entire computer will come to a standstill. That's fine. I, I used all my stats in Doha for Grant Holloway. My computer doesn't work. There anymore. you go. Um, yeah, pull up Kipchoge twenty eleven, um, and see what he was, what, what he was, he was doing. Was he still? He was still on the track, uh, right? Running track, yeah, running track. Gosh, it looks weird to see Kipchoge in sixth place. Uh, yeah, was he in that race? He, Twenty eleven, he ran the five thousand. He got seventh. This is just crazy. Uh, he got seventh. Okay, so no, he, he was not in the ten thousand. Okay, he was. Seventh so I guess in it is five. okay. So it is crazy to think that he would have, uh, yeah, won won the ten thousand. I don't yeah so I mean maybe he would have just been that guy maybe his time in the track was done and he had a really good run on the track and he's just an exceptional yeah. marathoner so I, I yeah I, I think I think thinking he would have gone from not being able to to get a medal in the five not even being in the top five in the 5,000 to, to winning gold is is a bit of a stretch I guess well, I guess John point? here is saying he well I guess John's saying yeah, he didn't but... put enough time into the 10 right he didn't do it, the normal really progression like of, it. yeah, yeah. How many really tens does he run like on the track? He's running a couple every year. Uh, let's see, let's see what he does in 2013. twenty thirteen. I mean, twenty thirteen is when he moves to the roads forever because twenty twelve a very, very poor year outdoors for Kipchoge. Seventh in the Kenyan Olympic trials in the five thousand. Maybe that was the turning point for him. He's like, F this, man. I'm going to, you know, he gets seventh yeah. in the Olympic trials in the 5,000. And then he goes to that famous Paris race, 5,000, runs 12.55 and only gets eighth. And he's just like, well, that's all 12.55 gets me. How about I just go run 14 flat 10 times in a oh, row? Lord. And then, yeah. <laughs> well, he's perfect. That's what I'm saying. Like, this guy is perfectly suited for this distance. It took him a while to find it, but he found it. So. Yeah. You're right. I mean, maybe the exact same thing. I guess, yeah, the question is, okay, if there were more 10,000s, maybe that would have been different. But, the, yeah. man, the way the 10,000 just looks like a cousin of the 5,000. And maybe he would have made it different, but it always seems like it's people um, for both. In the marathon, though, I'm trying to think of all the people. This is like a Jordan effect, right? All the people who didn't win titles because Michael Jordan was there. Same thing with Kipchoge. Mm-hmm. Like, who would have been a star in the marathon? Who else could have got titles if if Kipchoge wasn't winning race after? Like, is Wilson Kipsang's era extends longer? Maybe Wilson 
doesn't have a whereabouts failure and then gets arrested in a club for for drinking uh, during a pandemic. I mean, maybe he's more focused. Like this would have made a lot of a lot more people, you know, win. I mean, look at Rupp in yeah. the Rio Olympics in the marathon. Maybe I know he got bronze, but he'd be at least a silver there. Yeah, that's a good point. But there, I think. For one thing, if you look at his Tillis Topaja page and read the tea leaves, he only ran the 10,000 five times. The man may have just hated 25 laps around the track. Well, I, I think that's what, yeah. So I think this is, John's a, John's a smart guy. He's done his, his research here. And I think that's the, the overarching point of like, hey, man, if if 10,000s didn't start to, uh, didn't start to dry up, mm. then what yeah, would have happened? Yeah, yeah, what would have what would have happened? Maybe he would have been a, a great ten thousand meter runner while being a a good but not medalist five thousand, like not even making the Kenyan team in the five thousand. But I think I think he needed more of a change of scenery. He needed a, a bigger jump up in distance, not just one from five to ten, but all the way to the marathon. But yeah, certainly right. an interesting interesting question. It is funny you're saying, oh, he got sixth at the. That's just so weird to think Kipchoge getting sixth. Strange. It's, it's, I mean, not even qualifying for the Olympics in 2012 is, I mean, uh, he had a great track career. You know, we know the 2003 world champion, you know, he won the world title in 2003 in the 5,000, but, uh, 2003, yeah. the t- it's 2020. Yeah. It is 2020. Still the greatest of all time. Like I said, the Tom Brady of track and field. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe not the, the best. That was, uh, Mo, that was Mo Farah, I thought. Oh, you said crap. Farrell was the Tom Brady. Yeah. Just Oops. everybody's Tom Brady for Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. Everybody is. Stick uh, to baseball. Yeah. I, man. I, yeah. I'll, I'll stick to, I'll stick to one sport comparison, one sport metaphors to not, not to. Yeah. Good thing Kipchoge moved to the marathon, though. Like I said, I think a lot of people owe him credit. The, the Alpha Flies maybe wouldn't be, a, be around if it wasn't for him. And who knows if. <laughs> Who knows if all these Americans would be running? Wouldn't be running two ten. I mean, who could have thought that one man could have pushed the entire <laughs> ten Americans to run two ten? Which obviously proves that the shoes are mechanical doping. So, anyways, <laughs> there we go. We've made it. Made it all yeah. the way back to shoes. Uh, Flow Track Podcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com. More what ifs? Give us more of your what ifs. We would gladly take them. Uh, tomorrow's show will have Gordon and Lincoln and then Lincoln comes back again on the rare trifecta for Lincoln. Come back on Friday to interview a very special guest. I'm not going to reveal it yet, Mm -hmm. but let's just say Lincoln is skilled with booking guests. (laughs) Just hop in those DMS. Yes. That's what he does. Yeah. All right. That's Mm -hmm. it. That'll do it for this show for today thank you to alan for producing thanks to you lincoln and everybody else for listening and downloading we'll talk to you guys next time